What's up, gamers? Welcome to Level 99 RPG Talk. As always, I'm your host, Philip. Remember, this is your RPG podcast brought to you by Vault RPG and releases each and every Thursday. It's the show where I dive deep into the greatest genre in gaming. This week, we're talking about Nintendo Square Enix once again and once again, another indie game but first let's start this episode off with a bang limit break when it comes to video games i greatly appreciate developers who put the player first so when this happens, I like to celebrate it. And right now, one of my favorite things some games are doing is allowing player progress in a demo to carry over into the real game. That's amazing. No, seriously, if you're listening to this and thinking that's overrated, let me tell you why it's awesome. For me, when I set out to play a game, I need every minute to count. I have a backlog bigger than my apartment, I already have too few hours in the day as it is, and as soon as I finish most games, I push forward without looking back. It's always about moving on to the next thing or maximizing my time with a game. That being said, I rarely dive into demos. Why? Because typically, it's not an economical use of my time. If I'm playing through a vertical slice of a game that doesn't translate into actual progression, I don't feel like it does anything for me. Sure, it might get me excited for a few moments, or it might give me a better feel for the game, but look, I can watch trailers to get excited, and I can get used to the feel of a game once I pop into it for real. I don't need the demo to do those things. And yes, I know I'm speaking from ultra personal experience. Getting right down to the issue, I'm not a huge fan of random vertical slice demos because I can't know whether to believe that look at the game is an actual representation of what I'll get in the final product. If you give me a 30 minute experience 20 hours into the game that's completely isolated from the game as a whole, there's no way to ensure that's the way the game will actually be when it releases. Recently, Project Octopath Traveler, a game I'm very excited about, published a video detailing all of the things they recently updated in the game since releasing the demo. Now don't get me wrong, the changes they made were fantastic, and they were able to make those changes based on feedback from players experiencing the demo. Yeah, that's cool, but that doesn't exactly speak to me personally. And honestly, it doesn't encourage me to dive into the demo at all. Because in the end, I know the final game won't be the same as the demo represents. I want the final product, and I want the progress, not necessarily an alpha or beta build of the game. Another issue with random vertical slices lies in the fact that they give no context to their setting or to the mechanics that they cover. Games give tutorials in their beginning for a reason, to get you used to the systems and mechanics that will be used for the rest of the game. If you give a player a random chunk, you lose that ability to ease them into those systems. To many people, so many people took issue with Lost Sphere's demo because it was not a good slice of the game. 
I feel like the developers wanted to release this portion because it included more cool systems. But if you don't ease the player into them, it can either be overwhelming or just not make any sense in general. They would have been better off, in my opinion, making the demo the beginning of the game, introducing the characters, the story, the abilities, and everything else more naturally. Honestly, if you don't want to demo the beginning of your game because it's slow or it runs the risk of being boring, make the beginning of your game better. Now, back to celebrating developers who do make the most of their demos. I think it's amazing when they connect the demo to the release. It gives me confidence that the game is polished and close to release quality. It also invites me into that world by valuing my time. Recent games that I know touting this feature include Radiant Historia, Valkyria Chronicles 4, Disgaea 5, and Yakuza 6. So thank you to all those game devs for including that feature. Please, 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 listeners, go check these titles out, download their demos, buy the games, and then transfer your saves. Send the message that this is something we want in all games. At least it's something that I want in all games, so there you go. But I do want to hear from you. What are some other games I missed that allowed data transfer from demo to final release? Is this a feature you also enjoy? Like I said, I know most of this was personal preference, strictly for me, but I don't think I'm alone, so let me know. And that's gonna be all for your limit break this week. And now let's move on to some of the noteworthy news. First off, have you played Blossom Tales? How do you feel about it? I just jumped into it last night and I am hooked. I knew that I would be hooked. I knew for a fact that I would be hooked. Looking at trailers, looking at screenshots, Blossom Tales looked right up my alley. It gives that old classic Zelda Link to the Past feeling for a reason. It's heavily inspired by that game. It's gorgeous, it sounds amazing, it's fun and challenging. I'm only a few hours in, but man, I'm hooked. Now, I say all this to say, yes, Blossom Tales has been out for a while, but the developers are doing an, an Ask Me Anything in the Switch RPG Discord server on March the 15th at 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern time. So once again, that's an ask me anything with the Blossom Tales developers. I believe it's the writers for the game. So that is awesome. If you are not already in the Discord for Switch RPG, I highly, highly recommend it. It's a fantastic place um, to hang out with other people who love RPGs and live and breathe RPGs and have a wide variety of tastes and preferences when it comes to RPGs. So the link for that is discord.switchrpg.com. So go check it out and join and get ready and get hyped for March 15th, 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern time. 
and get your questions uh, ready. Number two, Nintendo Direct. Are you kidding me? This has been a rumor for most of the week, and I confess, yes, this is coming out on Thursday, but no, this is not coming out after the Direct. I don't know what's happening. I'm recording the day before. So what kind of timing is this, Nintendo? You could have released it this afternoon at 4 p.m. instead of tomorrow afternoon at 4 p.m. for me, Central Standard Time. What is it going to be? What is it going to be? Ever since we got the Direct Mini a couple months ago, there's been all the rumors that yeah, that was slightly disappointing because it was so short, but that usually means that they back it up with a full-length one. Sure enough, tomorrow, on a Thursday, March the 8th, we're getting that full-length 30-minute Nintendo Direct. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait. There are some RPGs that I hope to see there that I hope to see there are you with me um who really wants to see Dragon Quest 11 news Fire Emblem on Switch Pokemon on Switch even though that is probably not going to happen somebody was telling me earlier in the discord they don't usually do Pokemon because it's so big, they don't usually do it in a direct. They'll either do its own direct or it could be an E3 thing. What about Virtual Console? What about the Switch, the Nintendo Online infrastructure? We're waiting for that. We know that it's coming out in September. What about Smash? Yoshi? New IPs? New third-party stuff? There's so much that it could be. There are a lot of rumors floating around on Twitter about things that are going to be talked about. Some Mario, possible Mario Odyssey stuff that sounds really good. Maybe some Kirby stuff. Obviously, that's coming out soon. And we know for a fact that there's going to be some Mario Tennis Aces news. They said that. That's confirmed. They said in the graphic they're going to be focusing on Mario Tennis Aces. We're getting some more information about it. What I hope that translates to is story mode. Look, when it comes down to gameplay and mechanics, there's not a whole lot that you can really talk about with tennis. Like, oh, it feels good hitting the ball back and forth. You know, the graphics look cool. But they said that there's a story mode. So that's what I'm interested in. Number one, how deep is the story mode? How long is the story mode? What is sort of the function of the story mode? What are some of the RPG elements in the story mode? Because let me tell you, after finishing Golf Story a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks back, I'm hungry for another sports title with a with a really good campaign slash story mode in it. Don't let Golf Story show you up, Mario, okay? And that's not to take anything away from Golf Story because... That game was phenomenal. I've talked about it plenty. All right, I've got over 25 hours in that game. I'm just saying, like, Mario, don't drop the ball, okay? Don't drop the ball. Come out swinging. <laughs> you know. 
Anyway, so check back in next week for my response to the Nintendo Direct. We shall see. Number three. Indie game for the king is coming to consoles, including PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. This article from rpgamer.com, this was on March the 1st. It says, publisher Curve Digital has announced that it is teaming up with Iron Oak Games to release the latter's strategy RPG for the king with the announcement comes with the announcement comes news that the game will be fully released for PC and Mac on Steam in April 2018 very very soon having been in early access for just over a year it will also be released for PS4 Xbox One and Nintendo Switch in early 2019 a good ways away the Steam version will remain priced at $14.99 during early access, with those who buy the early access version also receiving the full version when it launches, but will rise to $19.99 at launch. For the King was initially crowdfunded through Kickstarter in 2015. The game combines strategy RPG with tabletop and roguelike gameplay elements. Players are tasked with defending the kingdom of Farul after its king is murdered by an unknown attacker and can choose to split their party in order to try and deal with multiple threats at once. This game is gorgeous, looks beautiful. You can see screenshots for the game in the article on RP Gamer. You can also check out this game. It is being tracked at switchrpg.com. So if you're interested at all, go look it up, go check it out. Look at the trailer on YouTube like I said, it is so pretty and it's coming consoles a ways away. But if you're on Steam and you want to jump in, you can uh, you can do so on Steam. Number four, Final Fantasy 15 launches on PC. At the same time, uh, the Royal Edition launches on PC and also on consoles. So you're able to pick up that. Uh, DLC slash update but the big news for me is that it releases on PC this is big for me because this is the way that I want to play it I've held off it just so happens that I wasn't able to get the game on PS4 when it came out so I said you know what I figure it will be ported to PC at some at some point hoping for that 60 FPS and sure enough, it was announced for PC, so I've been holding off getting that Royal Edition. I believe it's 50 bucks in Steam. No, I'm not buying it day one. I might wait till it goes on sale. We shall see. Speaking of sale, man, there's been some great Square Enix sales on the PSN. I believe that deal is already over, so I'm sorry for bringing it up, but I just wanted to say Square Enix will give you some deals, and they'll give you some sales every once in a while, so keep your eyes peeled but anyway this article coming from windowscentral.com this is from march the 6th it says today square enix launched final fantasy 15 windows edition on pc and final fantasy 15 royal edition on xbox one and playstation 4. both editions are packed with new content and features in addition to the base game including all season pass items released since launch such as an expanded map and new areas to explore. 
Some of the most notable features found in Final Fantasy XV Windows Edition and Final Fantasy XV Royal Edition are listed below. Expanded Insomnia City ruins map and contains new side quests and enemies such as Cerberus and Omega. Fully controllable Royal Vessel Boat expanding the world of EOS and allowing players to explore the area between Cape Cam, 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 and Alticia. Altesia? God, I need to play the game figure out how to pronounce these words players will also be able to fish aboard the vessel so if you like fishing there you go new accessory that can activate a new attack called armager unleashed after collecting all the royal arms players will be able to find an accessory in unidentified part of the world enabling access to the power new first person camera mode um something i doubt you'll want to do in combat as like active and uh quick and just all over the place it is but this game is so fantastically gorgeous and so photorealistic i'm sure that first person camera mode will be amazing for screenshots and this is going to be one of those games sort of like the witcher um there's been a couple of other games recently like um uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, God, there's one I'm blanking on. Anyway, taking screenshots in games is huge at this point. I mean, like Skyrim, people have been doing it for years in Elder Scrolls games. But games are so gorgeous at this point that it's a, it's a very important part. Horizon. Horizon is fantastic. In fact, a lot of um, a lot of PlayStation games are being shipped with a camera mode, with a picture-taking mode, because people realize just how important it is. And so, this first-person camera mode, you're able to get your your teammates out of the way. You're able to get your player character out of the way, so you can focus on your shot. Um, I'm sure there'll be some sort of HUD hiding option to get those screenshots looking as crisp and good as possible. Moving on, new customization options including weapons, car skins, and item sets, quest to obtain and strengthen regalia type D car, and new achievements and trophies. The Windows Edition features some exclusive perks which greatly enhance the experience on PC, such as high resolution textures and visuals compatible with native 4K, Graphical options that can be configured support up to 8K resolution. Are you kidding me? HDR10 support. Mod support is only available on PC. Players who own the Windows Edition on Steam can find the Half-Life pack items in the Steam Workshop. And finally, Toby Eye tracking integration allows players to control cameras, auto-aim, warp, and accomplish more with their eyes. Welcome to the future. Anyway, like I said, that's from windowscentral.com. So yeah, as a uh, big release for the PC and for that game. So uh, if you've been waiting for that PC release, here you go. Here's your time. Like I said, I'm waiting for it. I'm going to wait a little bit longer, but that is indeed the platform I'm going to be playing that game on. Last piece of news for today also falls into Square Enix's camp. With Chrono Trigger 
Oh, you remember last week. You remember I was hot last week. I was on Square Enix's case about the ports, about having an identity crisis, about not knowing what to do with their classic games whenever they're porting them over. Some of them are great. Some of them are much, much, much less than great. Chrono Trigger came out last week with the surprise. An update on mobile as well as a simultaneous release on Steam. The problem, the backlash was that the Steam version and the mobile version are the same. It seems lazy. It seems mind-boggling. It seems like, what are you doing? And possibly, possibly is Square Enix hearing us? Are they hearing our cries? Are they going to fix it? Or are they just throwing out words that they know that we want to hear? This story coming from RPGsite.net. Once again, this is from March the 3rd. Square Enix made waves this week when they made the surprise announcement that Chrono Trigger is now available on Steam. But things quickly turned south for the publisher when players realized it was basically a port of the mobile version. I just said all that. I'm going to skip forward. The publisher is apparently aware of all the concerns players have regarding these design decisions and have made an announcement on their Steam page after reading the feedback and other messages for the Steam version of the game. They are currently assessing on how to proceed. Moving forward, we get a direct quote from that Steam update. It says, hi, everyone. Thank you for the feedback you've shared so far regarding Chrono Trigger. We wanted to let you know that we are reading and listening to your messages and are aware of all of the issues that you've raised, which we are currently assessing. Please keep an eye on the Steam page for further information. Thanks for your patience and support, the Chrono Trigger team. So what are they, are, are they blowing smoke here? That sounds a lot, that sounds like a lot of PR, right? There's some PR speak to a point. I will give them credit. They came out addressing this because they could have just ignored it. They could have ignored the backlash. They could have actually taken the backlash as we don't want these older games. They could have taken that. That would have been sad. But it is encouraging, and I do give them credit, for coming out, facing the negativity, and saying, look, we understand that you don't like what we've put out, and we're assessing it. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means that we'll actually get a resolution. Who knows? Who knows? But it says to keep an eye on the Steam page in the future. I wonder if this is a good thing. I wonder if this is a good thing. Because if they do come out and fix it, I've got to say that that's big. And there is sort of a precedent for that. Not on, this is on a much smaller scale, right? But if you think back, if you think back to Final Fantasy XIV, they put out Final Fantasy XIV, that original edition that got so much backlash, so much negativity that they overhauled the team on it. They overhauled the game. They did a lot to repay the, the, the people who had been who had bought it. They did a lot to um, you know make the transition as easy for them as possible. And then they put out A Realm Reborn, which now stands several years later as one of the most popular, one of the best MMOs, one of the most competitive MMOs 
in in the world. People love it. It's adored. I mean, honestly, it's a fantastic Final Fantasy game. So there is, in some form or another, a precedent that they do listen to Backlash and they do fix the problem. Now, this isn't always the case. We've been complaining about the ports for Final Fantasy V and VI on mobile for a long time. And their Steam ports are often lazy ish seeming that way and once again i don't like to call developers lazy i know it's difficult developing and porting but i'm just saying there are a lot of things that seem so frustrating that haven't been fixed but this is interesting this gives me hope i don't know if there will be anything coming from it but it gives me hope at least because I would also like to see this on consoles. I'd like to see a an updated version on consoles. And so if we get if we get a re like a re-upload for the Steam, if we get sort of a reskin that addresses all of those very specific negative backlash. If we get something that addresses all of those things, I would then love for that version to go wide onto some consoles. The Nintendo Switch, hint, hint. All right, so that's all of your news for this week. Now, let's give you a quick update on what I've been playing. First off, I played a heck of a lot of a game called Revenant Saga, which I will be talking about in just a few minutes. I then moved on to Tales of Symphonia. I dabbled in the first Tales game and dabbled in the second Tales game. I could not find the third Tales game. So wound up deciding on GameCube version of Tales of Symphonia. Let me tell you, that game is so adorable and really pretty, even for today. Because that cell shaded aesthetic stands the test of time. It really does. And it's really smooth, too. It's super, super smooth. Once again, got that GameCube version. So I'm excited. I am only about two hours in. So, like, I I can't commentate much on it. And I won't because I would just be, I would just be saying stuff, right? I mean, I don't really know much about it. I'm having fun with it, though. That's what, that's what I'll say. Then I'm a couple of hours into Blossom Tales as well i will be talking about blossom tales more as i get further along i am trying to play as much as possible before the ama once again in the switch rpg discord that's discord.switchrpg.com march 15th that's next thursday next thursday so you'll get my podcast next thursday and then you'll also have the ama with the um with the Blossom Tales developers next Thursday, March 15th at 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. So get hyped. All right, so let's move on to talking to our deep dive for this week. My weekly game deep dive. And it is going to be about Revenant Saga. A game from published by Kimco. 
And in fact, I did receive a review copy from them. So I, I really, uh, I appreciate them sending that review copy over. I did, I received that um, for my review that I wrote for switchrpg.com. You can go and read my review on the website under the reviews section. You'll see it, my name there. Um, Philip, you'll, you'll, yeah, you'll recognize my name. So anyway, you can read the full version there. I'm going to be talking a lot about, I'm going to be talking about most of the things that I cover in, in, in that, but, um, I think that still will be sort of the definitive, most in-depth look. And I'll be talking about some things right now that I didn't, wasn't, I was not able to bring up in the review because the, the review was pretty long and I didn't want seem like I was piling onto the game, right? So spoiler alert, um, the, we, we have the scale on switch RPG. We don't, we don't do numbers, right? We don't have a numbered review system, but we do have sort of a recommendation base. Uh, we have a scale that goes, uh, from great, uh, to good, to okay, to bad, right? So great, means you've got to play it good means it's worth your time okay means that there's some notable flaws and bad means to avoid altogether okay and i gave this game an okay rating meaning that there were some notable flaws and let me tell you the flaws are very present all right i did want to talk about this game on the podcast because i spent last deep dive talking about legendary gary a game that I adored and there were, I found it very difficult to find negative things about. And so I, I don't want you to, to get the idea that I'm someone who can't find faults in things or can't pick things apart. Legendary Gear to me, it was honestly a special game that may not be perfect for a lot of other people, but for me, it, it, it spoke to me in a way that it was, near perfection. So difficult to find faults. This is a game that I feel is like a really good barometer for how, where my tastes are and how I can, in fact, sort of take apart, tear apart mechanics, systems, stories, things like that, and look at them very, very objectively and very fairly, I, I believe, and compare them fairly to other games. Okay. So let's dive into Revenant Saga. So this is a game and I'm not going to be spoiling anything, just like I didn't spoil things with Legendary Gary, right? That's going to be my aim, is to be able to talk about these things without spoiling them. Because if you're like me, you still like hearing people talking about games and analyzing games, even if you've not played them. So if you haven't played Revenant Saga, don't don't worry. You don't have to necessarily tune off right this moment, because I'm not going to be spoiling story things. But I will give you a, a little bit of background, right? So it's a game, once again, called Revenant Saga. And as you might believe, there's a lot of revenants in it. That's the sort of the main hinge of the story, the main fulcrum of the story. So you've got um, your main protagonist, Albert, who through a terrible uh, run-in with a plague in his town, comes across this old man who um, through different things that happen, uh, takes Albert to this laboratory and Albert is going to be fused with a possessed by a demon to be turned into a revenant, right? So he is caught up in this plot to bring demons into the world and fuse them, possess 
possess humans with them, right? But something happens during his transformation process that makes him a little bit special because the demon can't 100% possess his body. It gets fused with him, turning him into, giving him revenant powers, turning him into a revenant, but he still retains his human form, his human likeness, and his human consciousness, right? But he's fused with a demon who is also fully conscious and can speak so they can communicate with each other. So that's, I've got to, I've got to hand it to them. And that's something that I tried to bring out in my review that there were, this is a game full of interesting premises and interesting concepts. So I've got to hand it to them. This is a very interesting concept. A boy who is thrust into a position that's completely out of his control and then he becomes sort of half human, half demon. And they do some interesting things with that dynamic and with the connection that he in that 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 inner demon has, right? So that's the sort of the story. Through that uh, through that event, um, time moves on, and then he uh, meets some other characters that become a party of four. And they discover that they've got to stop a plot to bring the demon king into the world, right? So at that point, you've got sort of like a, there's a, you're working with a lot of RPG tropes, right? Multiple realms, uh, mass destruction, um, you know, uh, some, some evil characters, especially you've got like your front, front villain, and then sort of like the villain behind the scenes. So that once again, a lot of RPG tropes. So that's sort of the setup, right? Now, that's all the story that I'm going to quote unquote spoil, but I do want to just discuss story for a minute. Um, like I said, there were, there were so many interesting things and concepts they could have, if they'd leaned into a little bit longer, would have turned out to be fairly, really good. There were moments where they teased like the, the, the connection between humanity and, 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 and the demons, right? So as, as the Revenant, like I said, he's able to, to talk back and forth with the thing possessing him. And there are a number of conversations that, that that they have together that Albert and Magnus, his demon, has. But for me, they never really did anything. They never really improved the characterization. They never made them round. There was it was it was there was hints. There were hints at development. But for me, most of it was sort of missed. There's missed opportunities. In fact. The development that is there is so vague that it's it is barely barely noticeable. There were there was a there was a single moment where Albert's demon and the demon possessing a different character interacted with each other using the human bodies, right? So they for a moment like completely possess them and then communicate with one another. That's really that's really 
kind of cool, kind of interesting. And in that moment, in that scene, I was like, oh, wow, this could go really cool. Because especially like they start sort of plotting things. But it doesn't really pay off. It does, and, and if you get there, you'll you'll see what I mean. It doesn't really pay off. It doesn't really go anywhere, and that, that was unfortunate. Once again, an interesting concept, but then there was no execution on it. And that's something that is sort of a theme throughout this game. So if you look at mechanics, you look at um, something like in combat, there's a transformation system, right? So you can transform into like a more powerful version of yourself, which gives you access to more powerful abilities that you can't use when you're not transformed. There are some drawbacks to transformation, right? There is a meter that goes up over time as you're trans, you know, as you spend more time transformed and using abilities. And the higher that meter goes, the more you run the risk of like losing control of your character altogether. They will start just auto attacking almost like a berserk mode, right? So there were some interesting things there, but my, my problem with the transformation system is that, there weren't there weren't enough benefits for using it. I did get access to abilities that did more damage. And there were a few that actually like gave me abilities, you know, like it buffed me. But it wasn't that useful. In fact, damage is really the only thing that it was good for that I ran into, right? So like I'm using transform on bosses just to get the extra damage that I need so that the fight doesn't take as long. And that's about the only use out of transformation that I could really see. In fact, if you want to talk about difficulty and understand I'm playing on normal, not hard, um, but I didn't really want a challenge out of this game necessarily because you could tell me, oh, why don't you just turn it on hard if you're, you know, blazing through normal. Because I, I just I just wanted a little bit of pushback. I, you know what? It's not even that I really want to push back. I just wanted there to be some level of complexity to the battle system. And there's not because the system itself is basically damage to win. That's it. As long as you hit the enemy for enough damage and kill them, you can heal yourself whenever you need to. That's it. There, there was very little use for... Uh, effects for debuffs for like placing poison or um, you know like putting enemies to sleep there was very uh, even if those things do exist they they were implemented in such a way that they were barely noticeable right one of the characters Julia a lot of her attacks delayed the enemy but I mean, honestly, like delaying them didn't really do a whole lot. It didn't really do a whole lot. And I would have liked to have seen a little bit of synergy between your party members. Right. So like if this if this party member, their role is to delay someone, then another party member's role is to do extra damage against enemies that have been delayed. That would have been fantastic. Right. So a little bit of synergy. Or you have someone whose thing is to curse or to put poison on or something like that. Well, then this other person, if a thing is poisoned, 
maybe their attacks delay, right? Automatically delay or something like that. So some connection between the uh, between you know your party members and their roles would have been a little bit more interesting. As the game is on normal, I auto battled roughly ninety percent of the game, and that is even ca- counting a few bosses. I finally did hit a point where the bot you couldn't just attack to win on bosses, which was good. The problem is that I think it was just because of the amount of health. It wasn't because, you know, bosses started um, countering like normal attacks or anything. They just did more damage and they had more health. So my party just went like just their health dwindled down until they died. And that's the reason the auto attack didn't work. Right. But on normal battles, 90 percent of those were done auto battle. And auto battle literally just auto attacks. You do have options where you can, similar to a lot of other games, where you can sort of like tweak the AI a little bit and their behavior, and you can set whether you know they only auto like they only use their base attack, or they sometimes use abilities, or they sometimes use items. And I tweaked with that a little bit, but honestly, I saw that battles were going quicker when I was just just base attacking auto attack. So there wasn't really any difficulty or challenge or complexity to the system, which which is disappointing because, like I said, that transformation thing could have been so cool and interesting. There just wasn't a draw to use it at all. Um, the same thing kind of goes for customization. It allowed you to customize your, your weapons. So every time you get a weapon, you go to, uh, the custom menu where you can put add-ons onto the weapon. And for me, the only true useful add-on was the one that just increased the damage because you could get, you could get these orbs or whatever, that you could um, that would increase the the base damage of the the weapon. There were other slots that allowed you to add like status effects, and you could like increase your mana pool or something or your health pool. That whole slot, in my experience and in my opinion, the effects were not useful enough. Once again, it was it was a matter of as a good is a good inclusion like I like being able to customize the weapon but the execution like I put poison on my like chance for poison on my weapon a lot of times and there was never a single time in the game that I could really see the benefit of the poison right there was only, I think, like a 15% chance that it that it inflicted poison. And um, I'm not saying that it never inflicted poison. It may have. I just never saw the effects of it. Like a, that poison just didn't do a whole lot. And other status effects were sort of the same way. So it was a great idea to have a customization, you know, option in there. So you could sort of craft your weapons however you wanted. But... For me, the the custom the customization was just adding more damage, 
which like I said, sort of feeds into what I believe is just a damage to win, heal when you need to battle system. Other things, other things that were promising, but didn't quite pay off. Something like the world map. The world map's pretty big. In fact, I was I was pretty I was kind of you know surprised at just how big it was. You can open it at any point while you're on the sort of the overworld. And it was sort of staggering to begin with. And as you start moving around it, I will say I feel like you move a little too fast on the overworld. And that sort of diminishes the size a little bit. But I still gotta say, just from a sort of like square footage standpoint. If I was able, if I were forced to move it just a little bit slower, it would have felt massive. And that's really cool. But the problem is that there was not much on it. In sort of the main the main path that you take, which by the way, you're sort of propelled along that path very quickly. You do not linger in towns at all. I mean, you are moving through at a near Final Fantasy 13 pace right you're going from town to town to town so you're just jetting all over the world and you're really not backtracking at all there's a little bit of backtracking but you're not really backtracking at all so you're not really spending much time in these towns and you're not really getting to know the towns as individual like they don't have their individual personalities which and i and i said in my review this is an unfair comparison and I I understand that I'm just doing it to make a point I'm, you know playing a game like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 which to me really takes its time in its towns and it forces you to go back to them and it improves those towns over time as you perform more quests in them different things unlock and as you go in the game different quests unlock in those towns encouraging you to go back talk to more people, spend more time there, and those towns sort of take on their own individual personalities. So I know that this is a very unfair comparison because it's a completely different budget, completely different type of game, but I would have liked to have seen some sort of lingering a little bit before we jet to the next thing because I don't remember town names at all. Like, I don't remember at all what these towns are called, what these regions are called, who the people in them are. There was very little incentive to talk to people. Um, side quests did become available, but honestly, later in the game than I would have thought. It was pretty late. Like I kept waiting for them. And then, I mean, once they did pop up, you could perform them in, 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 in every town. But um, I performed a few and... Didn't feel the need to to do a whole lot of them, okay? But, so the going back to the map, right? So it's pretty big, but you're just jetting all over it. And on that main path, there, number one, was not any other, any other routes, right? That might lead you to something interesting. There weren't necessarily caves or dungeons, so things to pull you off the path or things to catch your eye or catch your attention. And I thought that there was going to be dungeons because in the first, like early in the game, you, you encounter a, like a cave or a tunnel system or something. And there's a whole tutorial tied to it. 
and it tells you sort of how to traverse quote unquote dungeons. So here I am thinking that as I'm going across the world, I kept my eyes open looking for these optional dungeons. There just weren't any, there weren't. Um, in fact, the tutorial, that tutorial dungeon area helped me maybe three or four times later in the game. Um, specifically just for story missions. So I was, I was looking for these things as I was wandering on the world and it's just not there. So you've got this huge space, but with nothing in it. And then whenever I get the ability to free roam, you get a ship and a lot of the world is ocean. You get a ship. I was really excited. Once again, I felt like this was an opportunity. Okay. I'm off the rails. Here I go. I'm going to go look for some of these optional things. And I tell you what, when you get the ship, you've got one path and that's to go to the story. You've got one path. You get the ship and you can go one place, essentially one place. And it's where the story wants you to go. There are a lot. There are several other routes but they're blocked off by a weather system or something, right? Once again, disappointed. I was disappointed. I thought, all right, here I go. I'm off to the races. And I got to tell you, later, like I'm talking late in the game, right before you go to the final boss, Julia tells you, you know, I think I saw an island earlier and there was something interesting on it. But we got to get there by ship. So there was the moment where they want you to go out and look, right? The only problem is I was that close to beating it and I didn't feel like doing a whole lot of explanation exploration at that point. I just kind of wanted to finish the story. So they hit me with it too late. I feel like I feel like a lot of and what I'm about to say with a couple of other things, a lot of these things just happened way too late in the game. Had they l happened a little earlier, I feel like the pacing would have been a little bit better. You would have had, um, like I said, you would have had the ability to sort of stray off the main path sooner. And honestly, that would have possibly kept my attention a little bit more because it would have given me some things to do. Once again, unfair comparisons in Blade Chronicles 2, at any point, I can stray away from that story and do a multitude of side things. And I'm not just talking about side quests, but I'm talking about running around, looking into things, doing some optional areas and things like that. So optional routes, things I've never seen. Un unfair comparison over. Okay. So I just felt like map, huge miss opportunity huge missed opportunity let's talk real quick just about some things that i felt were pretty unpolished uh the movement in the game i i i try not to be overly harsh but i've got to say it was one of the things that frustrated me the most and uh, in the review i say you know i can't really put my finger on it. i can't really describe to you what i mean by the movement is bad um, the movement is difficult because I don't, I don't know if it's a speed thing. Cause I don't think so. Cause like playing classic final fantasy, you can hit that sprint button 
and you still feel like you're a part of the world. You still feel like there is some kinetic friction. You're touching the ground. You're moving over the space. This game, there is no sprint button, and yet still, I feel like I'm moving a little too fast. I feel, I just, I, I just don't know. It feels glidy. It feels like I'm gliding. It feels like I'm floating above the ground rather than actually touching and running on the ground. It doesn't help that because you're moving at the rate which you're moving and because you feel a little floaty, using the joystick on the on the Joy-Con um, was inaccurate and at times infuriating. Especially when you're talking about trying to line yourself up to an object, whether that be an NPC or a door or a chest, like trying to line yourself up to to interact with it was very difficult and difficult enough that it was noticeable very early on in the game for me. And I kept going back and forth between the joystick and the, the D-pad, like trying to get the feel. But the, defa- the D-pad felt really constrictive, like it was just moving up, down, left, right. But the joystick didn't quite feel right. So like it was a, it was a struggle for me. And I, I know this is minor, but I mean, you're, you're, you're moving around in the game constantly. So to have the movement off, I don't know, I just, I just, I didn't know how to feel about it. And I got to tell you, I was validated in that as soon as I popped in Blossom Tales because the movement in that game is exactly what I was trying to describe in my review. It just feels right. It feels like you're on the ground. You're in the world. You're a part of the world. There's gravity. Like the movement in that game just feels a lot more grounded. Whereas in Revenant Saga, it just feels really floaty. And just, yeah. So anyway, unpolished uh, soundtrack, right? There's some interesting tracks there. I am a soundtrack guy. Like if you can win me over on some music, especially in movies, like your movie can literally suck. But if you got cool music, I'm going to be listening to that music soundtrack. In fact, if you look at my Apple Music library, I've got tons of soundtracks to games I've never played and games I may never play. But I'm just such a music guy. You can win me over. So even early on when some things, some of the mechanics were, I was like, I, they weren't really turning, you know, they weren't really converting me. The music was pretty interesting. It was pretty cool. Um, there was a couple of tracks that made me go, oh, okay, okay, okay. I hear you. Um, only issue is that after you play about a half hour, an hour, and you hear those tracks, you realize those are the only ones for the, the rest of the game. That's it. You're, they're going to be on loop forever. Like going to a town, going to a different town, same music. Going to the world map, same music. You, know, you get that world map theme. You get that combat theme. You got a um, things are okay theme in a, in a cutscene theme. You got the oh things are not as good theme. You got the um, the the enemy is coming on screen or is being referenced in a scene theme, right? So there's only a handful. There's only a handful, and and I'm, you know, I'm not asking for like 
you know, vintage Final Fantasy, but I was just, I was wanting a little bit more out of that soundtrack, just some variety. Because, like, when you're spending 20 hours with a game, five tracks gets to be really repetitive. And I got to tell you, the thing that was actually more egregious to me were some of the the transitions and the cuts between them because the timing was just so off at times and you're just jumping from one track. Like I said, if the tone of the scene shifted, you knew it was going to trigger a new track and it was going to mess up right in the middle of the previous one and jump straight to the next one. Talking about cuts that um, were really intrusive Every time you receive a quest, and I'm talking main quest, side quest, every time you open a chest, a fanfare pops up and it plays loudly and overrides the background music. And it is so obvious and immersion breaking the first time it happened, the very first time it happened, which was very early in the game, I immediately... I was like, are you kidding? Because once again, like sound and, and, and music, that's a big deal to me. And that was, that was tough to get through. If I'm being honest, I played a lot of this game on mute or listening to a podcast. And I got to tell you, that's rare for me in an RPG because a lot of times music is great. And like I said, some of these, some of these tracks they had me, but because of the repetition and also because of the cuts and the intrusion of those fanfare tracks, I played it on mute because I'd just rather not hear it, you know? Last thing, I'm going to wrap this up. And I'm not trying to pile on this game, believe me. Like, I started this talking when I was talking. I talked about all, I mean, I'm talking about missed opportunities and they're missed opportunities because they're interesting things in the game. They're interesting concepts and things that I wish they, that had paid off. Right. So I don't want you to feel like I'm dogging this game unfairly. I'm just trying to be objective and fair. I'm telling you like there were a lot of interesting things, but then a lot of, it just can't get out of its own way. Right. And one thing that's sort of like, was the cherry on top of the cake is that for whatever reason, the game continues to track your progress time-wise, your time progress, even when your switch is asleep. That, that to me, that, that seems like, that's like one of those details where it's like the, you know, like the masterpieces are in the details and just in the little things. And this is one of those little things that was overlooked that kind of bothered me a little bit because I mean, it looks like I've got like 70 hours in this game and I don't, and I like for my timestamps to be accurate. You know, I like to be able to look at it and see, okay, you know, I've put such and such time into this game and I'll never be able to do that with this game, you know, because even when the switch was asleep, it was tracking it. So anyway, that's why that's like one of the main, you know, like I said, the cherry on the top and the word that I used to describe this game is just unpolished. You know, there are a lot of interesting things, but not a lot of good um, execution. So it just felt unpolished. Um, but like I said, my verdict was OK. So it has some notable flaws, 
but I'm not telling you to avoid it. I am telling you to approach it knowing what you're getting into um, with the expectations, right? I want you to have the right expectations for it. So you could, you could have some fun. It's sort of like that, you know, popcorn movie, you know, there's not a whole lot of depth to it, but, um, you know, it is an RPG and it does, you know, it will take you around 20 hours. So there's that. And narratively, I got to tell you, you know, if you can, if you can make it through sort of the journey of the game near the end, some interesting story things happen. So if, if you're in it and if you, if you're enjoying the story, try to stick it out to the end because there is a little bit of payoff. Okay. So that's going to wrap up, um, the deep dive for this week. If you've played Revenant Saga, please let me know. Um, you can tweet at me. I'm at vault RPG on Twitter. Let me know if you've played, let me know what your response is to the game. And then also to sort of my review. Remember you can read my review on switchrpg.com in the reviews section. And that's also going to wrap up this episode for this week. I actually think I wound up going long and I thought this was going to be a short episode. So I apologize for that. If you're still listening, Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate the support. And I have gotten some fantastic feedback from last week's episode, especially since transitioning the show itself to the weekly format, the longer episodes. Got some amazing feedback. Thanks for the support. If you've been listening from the beginning, you are a rock star. You're the reason I'm doing this. Um, if you've got comments for the show, if you've got questions, if you've got questions, tweet at me. Tweet them at me. I'm at Vault RPG. Or you can probably catch me in the Switch RPG Discord. And you can uh, hit me up with questions. So, until next week, go game your hearts out. I'll see you.